Welcome to Pocket Thoughts, everyone. On today's episode, we each share one specific failure that set us up for success and made us who we are today. Our second topic is what is our special sauce? The best way to describe this is what sets you or your company apart from everyone else? And the final question that we have for today is what are a couple key activities you would recommend entrepreneurs invest their time in? A lot of good suggestions there and in my opinion, an all around great episode. I hope you guys enjoy the show and have a wonderful week. show BJB. ahead. BJB. BJB. <laughs> Got a great show. Forever and always. Always and forever. Let's start off the man of the hour, Bobby Mason. Let's jump right to his question. All right, let's do this thing. I would like each of us to share one specific failure that may have either set us up for success or just one of our favorite failures in general when it comes to business or life. But since we're talking about failures, you know, Joey just kind of brought up a BJB, stuff like that, whatever it was, whatever order we had it in. Well, us... it depends who was putting it on who, but... Yes, yes. So us three guys, just a great story for all of you listeners, so you guys can judge us. When we were in high school, we decided that it'd be a good idea one night to essentially burn our initials into our backs with paper clips. Not the most sanitary. Definitely didn't feel the best for quite a while. But good memories. Good memories. Oh, yeah. Somebody may have been dumb enough to put it on somebody else's back. uh, Put the B on backwards. No, it was the J. Oh, the J? (laughs) The J backwards. Why are you already shared my biggest failure? (laughs) Yes. So... (laughs) There's some backstory of, I guess we thought it would make us closer. I feel really close to these guys because I have their initials in my back. And yeah. I feel extra close every single time someone asks me why the heck it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, strong. Off, your shirt off in front of people. At least once in a blue moon. So this is your favorite success? <laughs> yeah, I just thought that would be a good thing to share with people. Yeah, that's well, that's agree. my... I agree. I think it's a great thing to share. I'm just saying it's more of a success, I think, right? Oh, for sure. Good point. Good point. So who wants to start with their biggest failure? Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting me go. That's very kind of you. I've talked about it on the show before, but my biggest failure is legitimately failing. Uh, chemistry in college, that was a big one for me there. We didn't um, talk about this. And we brought it up. We brought it up that I failed Hmm. at something. But yeah, no. Uh, Freshman year, got into chemistry. I was in, I don't know what math class. So just started off hot, taking pretty tough classes, I thought at the time. You know, chemistry is probably a lot easier to some freshman year than others. Uh, I was told we had the toughest chemistry teacher. So that Mm -hmm. really psyched me up for going to class every day that it was just going to be, you know, freshman year, get the easy basic classes out of the way. Nope. 
I uh, failed a lot of tests, and then I just started cheating. I got caught cheating, <laughs> so that wasn't good. Wait, I am, I've never heard this story. It wasn't like legit cheating. It was like, gotcha. It's like homework. Like, hey, your work looks exactly like the person that you sit next to, and I was like, oh, we kind of worked on it together, but not legit cheating. Not, not like I didn't get like a suspension or anything for that. Oh, That's gotcha. Legit, because I knew guys that did that, and yeah, didn't work out for them very well, especially on the baseball team. Anyways, that was happening, and I failed. And I was put on a academic probation. So that's a fun one to tell your parents that freshman year in college, hey, first semester failed a class. So I got a good talking to about that one. Started looking into other schools and I was like, eh, maybe I can keep going and try it out. Call back from last episode. Yep. So yeah, I think that kind of just woke me up a little bit about college and how I actually have to try harder than whatever I was trying to do in high school, which is also really not trying that hard. So that kind of gave me the big opening, and uh, I was lucky enough to have my parents pay for most of my college. So I think that failing and knowing that they had their money invested in me to get through college was kind of a big one that I didn't want to keep making them waste their money, essentially, if I was going to keep going down that track of failing another class and having the repercussions for that. So I think that taught me to just try a lot harder and not want that embarrassment to come along with it. Because, I mean, if I were to keep going in that path that I wanted to go down for my major, I would have had to take chemistry again. And to tell the same people like, hey, yep, taking chemistry again, they'd be like, oh, why? I'll be like, can't, I mean, you can say like, yeah, I want to take it to get a better grade, but like essentially I failed. So like anything would be better than that. Learned a lot after that one. I improved kind of once I switched my majors and got into something that I was more, I wouldn't say comfortable with, but I enjoyed doing more. And I kind of wanted to put more effort into that than seeing chemistry and seeing all the stuff that I had to do further in those classes and get to harder classes where you know, failing your junior year probably isn't, or it's a lot more frowned upon than freshman year where it's kind of like, all right, you can figure something else out. So do you think ultimately you wouldn't have gone down the other path if you would have kind of passed through that course without anyone finding out? I think it would have hit me a lot harder, like I just said a little bit ago, or like I said before, like <laughs> if I would have gotten to organic chemistry or something, like one of the harder classes than what chemistry was, like you can only kind of get by <clears throat> so much. And then I would have gotten to, if I would have gone to grad school or something, then it would have kind of hit me right in the head. Because I'm sure there's not too many people in grad school that are just cool with you looking at their work and maybe becoming more successful or doing better in a class than they would. But So now I selfishly just want to know, so did your teacher just like call you over? I don't even know how cheating really works in college. It was like, so it was like, on like a few homework assignments and she was like, your work looks exactly like hers. And she's like, you're quizzes and tests don't show that you're actually like taking this stuff in so it's like maybe you should actually like study this stuff instead of just like getting by on the like quiz or on the homework and stuff so she just like yeah she wrote me like a note and like see me after class or whatever and I was like all right well she knows it's a good little failure all right Joester what about your uh big old faily whaley <laughs> what's going on guys would you call it the faily whaley yeah why not right yeah, we can call it that, I guess. One of my favorite 
Failures was a uh, a little business some of us know, Three Timbers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. No? Not really. The actual business wasn't a failure. It was more of the the relationship and like the um, kind of learning to work with your friends. Part of that was a massive, massive failure. We've told, told on this podcast before, but me, Joey, Bobby, and Brady um, had a uh, had a little business, and uh, this is the first time we ever worked closely together. And basically, we did not have the best communication, and we got pissed off at each other, wouldn't say anything, and then it just got terrible, and and basically ruined our friendship, and didn't talk for a while, probably like a year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of my favorite failure because I learned so much from this failure. I mean, I learned basically how not to work with friends on, in a business. Um, I learned how important communication is and how important just being real with people. Because when you're not real with someone and telling them like right away if there's an issue, it's just gonna build up, you're gonna get pissed off and it's not gonna end well. So that's kind of, I don't know, that's my, uh, that's my favorite failure. Why were you surprised by that? I don't know. I just, I guess when I thought of uh, biggest failure, I guess I would have assumed you would have had one bigger than that. Like, I'm just saying like, Fine. not as in like, I assumed you fail a lot, but I, I'm surprised or I'm happy that that's the one that you learned most from. Well, it's my, one of my favorite failures. Yeah. And that's, that's the one that, I don't know, seems most relevant right now. And I like it. Yeah. I like it. Cause that probably would have been one of, the biggest failures that I probably should have had to take away from. And it probably is if I didn't have a bigger one. So my biggest failure for me would be a tech company that I created. And I'm not going to say the name because I learned that there are still things that I'm not allowed to talk about within that company for some reason, even though it's been long gone. But I created this tech company, raised a couple million dollars got really lucky ultimately. Um, I worked on the company all through college. I made all my decisions based around it. I chose not to live with my friends because of it. I lived by myself, just focused on it pretty much 20 hours a day. And I wasn't really all in on the company at all. And I wasn't all in until we actually raised money for the company. The money kind of convinced me to pursue the concept. And once I let the money control my decision-making patterns, I was kind of screwed. And I should have known that I would have been screwed or I was screwed from the get-go. Every day that I worked on that company for about two years, I struggled to find any joy in my work. I was miserable because the company was ultimately just a means to an end. My whole goal was to quickly build the company, sell it quick, and start to, like, I just wanted to do real estate investing. That was my ultimate goal, and that's why I worked so hard every day. The biggest thing was, like, I didn't want to quit because ultimately, what kind of 20-year or 21-year-old has the audacity to walk away from a couple million dollars and just go do something else? It didn't feel right. It felt like people would make fun of me for it. It just, it didn't feel, I don't know. It didn't feel natural. So anyways, 
I ultimately made a pretty major mistake in our op operating agreement. And then 18 months into development, our lead developer straight up just left for an executive position at Best Buy. And there was nothing in my operating agreement that tied him to our company. So the code was there, but he was a savant. So I shopped it around for a couple months and no one could read the code. Essentially, they said it'd make more sense to just start over. So in that moment, we had contracts with a couple of large, I think I could say it, large universities. And because our deadline was going to be 18 to 24 months late, we were losing all of our contracts. And essentially in that moment, the company lost everything. And we had to completely restart. In that moment, I guess I had two choices. I could try again with the money that we had left over, or I could quit. And by quit, I mean I could quit and do something I actually loved. And it took me a while to figure out if I wanted to pursue something I loved or just keep trying again with the money that I had at hand. So like I said, it wasn't easy at all. I actually sat in my bed in my apartment bawling my eyes out one night. I know that sounds really pathetic, but I had kind of tied two years of my life to this thing. That's kind of what I thought I would do when I graduate college. I thought that was my big plan. Everything was all set. And now senior year in college, my whole life was going to change. I was going to have to create a whole new company in a short span. I thought, I thought my parents were going to be super disappointed in me that I was walking away from all this money. I thought Ashley, my now wife, would be super disappointed in me. And yeah, I honestly, I just, like I said, I cried like a baby. I had no idea what to do. The good thing is I decided to pursue something I loved. I decided to pursue a couple of companies that I could be all in on, whether I was making a bunch of money or not. And ever since I made that decision, I have been 100% happy with my journey. I've loved pretty much every day of business. And it allows me to actually wake up every morning with a smile on my face. Every single company I build now is no longer a means to an end, which is awesome. It's about the journey. It's just what I love to do. I walked away from that company and my family was actually, they were proud of me because they actually had a somewhat normal Bobby back, someone that wasn't depressed. Ashley said, wow, you completely changed. I can actually tell you like what you do now. You don't look like you're just forced into doing everything. And that essentially what I'm trying to get at is when I was doing company X for those two years, I was just dragging myself through life. And without that enormous operating agreement mistake, I would never be, all right, I just still to this day, I don't think I'd be pursuing what I actually love doing. And I couldn't give any individual advice on how to run a company, how to pursue their passions, anything, because I'd just be a fraud, because I'd just be someone that was in it for the money. And that's just not who I am. So that was my biggest mistake. It definitely cost a lot financially and I guess from a time perspective, it costs a lot. And Joey, pretty much my brother, is on the same campus as me. And I didn't even optimize junior and senior year together. 
because I was just so focused on this company, something I didn't even like doing. So that was a huge mistake that I'll never get back. It just is what it is. And without that mistake, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now because there's no way anybody could describe that to me in a way that I would be able to understand it. Like I had to do it in person and screw up to figure that out on my own. That's my biggest mistake. Isn't that shitty? It's the ones that you have to experience yourself in order to actually learn from it. Yeah. You can't just be told it, you know? And you know what I think is so interesting? And I think you can definitely relate to this. And I think, Brandon, now you're starting to relate to this. I see a lot of entrepreneurs that are about to start their first company. And they go in there with all this optimism. Like, we're going to launch in three months. I'll get a salary of 40, 50, 60 grand within three months. And then our company will just be booming. And I just think to myself, you know, that's exactly what I thought freshman year in college or probably junior year in high school. And I didn't realize how tough it is, how much time it takes until I did it a few times and actually learned. Even though I, I listened to every single billionaire talk about failure, like pursue your passion, like you gotta do this, you gotta do that. I was like, oh yeah, for sure. I feel like it's just second nature for a human being to be like, yeah, you might fail a lot, but that's not gonna be me. Like this is gonna be easy. Like I can figure this crap out. But the thing is, you can't and you won't. Honestly, I don't believe a lot of these entrepreneurs, I don't think it's possible to figure it out just based on what other entrepreneurs tell you. I think it's yeah. really hard until you actually experience it. Because Brandon, I bet when we started EE, you kind of thought like, yeah, it's a side project, but we'll get this up and running pretty darn quick. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just going to happen right away and we were going to be rolling in the money. But <laughs> here we are not rolling in the money, but yeah. And it I takes mean, a really long time. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you have to do and there's a lot of things that you need to change and get figured out before you actually do it. And you look at all like the top guys or whatever, like top entrepreneurs, however you want to put it. I mean, they all have some kind of failure that set them back and they're still grinding away. Like Gary V wants to own the jets and he's far from it is what people are saying. I don't know how much money he has and how much the jets are, but that's still his number one goal, and I think that's when he's maybe going to see that he's successful is when that happens. I would just say when we're talking about failures, anyone in our audience, if you're exploring entrepreneurship, which, I mean, I guess we all hope you do explore it. I mean, whether it's a side hobby or your full-time gig, you need to have as many experiences as possible as quick as you can. So you can actually experience what you're going to do wrong and right and fail and actually figure it out. And it doesn't matter what we tell you, you're probably going to brush it off. But there will be a day if you actually explore this route and journey, there will be a day that you sit there like five years from now and go, holy crap. Every entrepreneur said that that would happen and it happened exactly like they said it would. And for some reason, I couldn't comprehend that in the moment until I actually went through it on my own. Just push yourself to those failures. And luckily, I guess we all had failures while we were relatively young. And I think a lot of people our age don't necessarily even push themselves into those failures. They don't even give themselves the opportunity to fail that early in their life. So they have to wait until they're 30 or 40 and then they have that big failure. And then it's, it's tough. You have family, you have responsibilities. We did it when we had nothing really besides time i think we should just start with brandon's because i'm gonna be honest i was kind of confused with his question okay and i wasn't confused but i just 
I don't know how to answer it. What is your <laughs> special what is, sauce? What's your special sauce for your business? <laughs> so the thing that basically separates you from everything else, like Burger King has the Whoppers with the special sauce, and that's what separates them from everyone else because that's makes them different. They're not just burgers. They got this special sauce on it. They're different. So in your business, you don't want to be like everyone else. You want to be different. What is your special sauce? And I think, in my opinion, for educating entrepreneurs, our special sauce is us, the way we're doing it, being that we are going through it at the same time as everyone else is. We're kind of learning as we go, but we also have Bobby with the experience, Joey with the experience and financials and whatnot. And basically going through this process and learning it and being there for the people that need it too. Yeah. So can we tweak the question a little bit? Sure. So I know what you're saying when it comes to your special sauce for a business, but I believe at this moment, like you can only speak about educating entrepreneurs. Joey can probably only speak about educating entrepreneurs right now as a business that he runs. And the business I would talk about is GoMahi. And what I can easily say is we're using the network effect that no one else uses, but that doesn't mean anything to our audience. What would you suggest to stand out, I guess? I would, I would suggest what we explain what we believe our special sauce is, like yeah. as individuals. What do you think personally kind of separates you from other individuals that either don't take that entrepreneurial track or are currently taking it? And what makes you think that you have a chance of succeeding within that world? If you're open to that, I could start and you'll have an idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah. What I believe kind of separates me from, I don't know, I wouldn't say average entrepreneur because everyone is just in the same realm trying to explore their life passion. So I don't, it doesn't separate me from an employee or anything else in a better way by any means. But what I think makes me different and allows me to do things differently is I think I have, I'm not very smart, but... I have some type of drive and determination and I'm kind of, I have one vision and I'll do anything to kind of pursue that vision. And because I have that one vision, I think what really separates me from many is I'm completely unfazed by failures. Now I failed enough in my life that when I get rejected, when something goes horribly wrong, when I get horrible news, like this week, for example, for us to do our job right with GoMahi, all of our financials were supposed to go through Stripe. We already had a partnership with Stripe. Everything was good. We had to go through this whole process to get approved. And that means we had Google firewalls, all this stuff. And you know what? Randomly, Stripe decided this week that anything in the crowdfunding world is going to be categorized as gambling, which makes no sense. I guess in my opinion, it doesn't make sense. Stripe decided that for their own company? Stripe decided that because PayPal decided that. Oh, okay. So they're going to just follow PayPal because they're the two big dogs. Hmm. So all of a sudden, they put us in the gambling industry, which means they terminated our contract, which I don't know how you can do that. We're still trying to figure out how you can do that. Essentially, we just get a call saying, hey, your whole payment processor, your whole firewalls for your banking, gone, and you're probably you're going to really struggle to find anyone that can help you out. Because for us, it goes beyond banking. Without Stripe or PayPal, we have to give all of our students 1099s. We have to do a crap ton of paperwork. 
and it just is going to cost us a boatload of money. In that moment, I honestly just sat there and was like, okay, well, that's a new challenge. Great. And I called Michael and I was like, Mike, like, here's what's going on. And he was like, I guess we just got to figure it out. And there was no anger, no nothing. And I think that's what makes us different because no matter what's thrown our way now, it pretty much just goes to a logical frame work in our minds and we go, what are the next steps we have to go through to figure out this problem? Doesn't matter what it costs us. It doesn't matter how much time it takes us. We are going to, essentially, we're going to enjoy the journey. And we know for a fact that there's going to be a lot of uphills and there's going to be a lot of downhills. I guess we're committed to the gig. We're committed to this bit of there's going to be up and downhills and you got to love every minute of it. And now that we're committed to that, the journey has become really easy. Decision-making has become really easy. And I think it's made it a lot easier to succeed. Because legitimately at every moment, we can throw ourselves in front of any company, any consumer, any partner, and we're willing to get rejected. And we don't say things like every other company. We don't write emails like the stereotypical marketing emails. We put it all on the line. And we allow them to either take our ideas, we allow them to mimic us, we put a bunch of money into mailers. Like we're sending out mailers this week that we know might epically fail and it's gonna cost us some money. But we went out and we bought a bunch of hourglasses, you know, nice hourglasses. And we're shipping it to all these executives. And we're essentially saying, hey, you need to innovate differently. Like figure out if you can figure out these innovative riddles and beat the timer. And you'll find out like where you rank within other executives around the country. And on top of that, once you're done with this, make sure you look at this landing page designed for you to look at all the answers. And we have like an entire website we built for every single one of these executives with their name on it. It's all custom to them, everything. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of money. It's a big risk. Not a lot of people send that to an executive. Like they don't go to Hobby Lobby and shop for hourglasses because <laughs> they just don't. It's not the norm. Every single day, we think that's so fun to add into our journey that we just want to do it. We want to take the chance. So I think that's my secret sauce, I guess, is just accepting the failures and going for it and just kind of loving it. So if we're going to go more just on a personal level, I would say that my secret sauce, Thank bless you. you. At the moment, it's, it's pretty simple. It, first off, it's completing tasks on a given deadline which in this day and age is, is not as common as a lot of people think. And when people see that you get tasks done on a given deadline, they're like, it's sad, but they're like impressed. And really? Yeah. And it's sad that they're impressed. I'm like, this was the deadline I gave myself and I told you I was going to finish it in. Yeah, of course I got it done. <laughs> they're like, oh, awesome, nice. And it's just like surprising to me how that's not totally a normal thing. I don't know if it ever was, as is just what I've experienced so far, but not only getting things done on time, but going kind of above and beyond the given tasks to, I don't know, improve the efficiency of what I was doing before. So I completed this, got the task done, it's great. How could I make that better? And that's just something that people really appreciate. When you can critical, critically think by yourself and see how a process can be more efficient or 
maybe just just thinking on your own, I I think that is so valuable. And I've been told that that's kind of one of the things that I do. And I've experienced that in someone else that I've been working with as well. I've given them work to do. I've given them a deadline. And they complete that work. And they actually, like, if they can't figure something out, they'll use, like, I don't know. I mean, they use their like common sense and kind of like try to try to figure it out. Use their uh, critical thinking skills and actually try to figure this out and not just be like, oh, you told me to do this. It wasn't working. So I stopped. And it's just you might not think it's that crazy, but it like you'd be shocked at how many people just don't do this. And it's got to be because we run this other podcast, Gomahi does, and I was looking at the life hacks that all of our guests give and they're all, you know, anywhere from running billion dollar companies to professional athletes. And I'd say a third of them say they're like, or not the life hack. Sorry. We asked them about what skill college students need to have mm-hmm. and what individuals need to have for a skill as a young professional. And almost a third of them say critical thinking. And almost a third of them say people lack critical thinking. I'm sure you're going to go a long ways with those critical thinking skills. My uh, sister um, kind of drove that in my head that you need to critically think about things. Like if something doesn't work the way that someone told you it was supposed to work, why didn't it work that way? And what can you do to solve it? I don't know. Just, just taking those steps are a lot more rare than I thought they were. And so much more valuable than I thought they were. That is just a good one. Like some good sauce. Because you know what? Really quick, like if we dig deeper into that, if people really think about why that's so valuable, think about a boss that assigns all these tasks and essentially they spend their whole day putting out fires and they're putting out fires of their employees because their employees aren't willing to try to figure out their questions. The amount of people that could look something up or actually try to think through a situation without calling on the manager, the boss, or the people around them, the amount of wasted time there is, like number one, there's wasted time because all these individuals have to switch their tasks to help someone. So not only are you wasting your own time, you're wasting other people's time. And number two, it just makes you look bad. Yes, there's gonna be questions you have to ask people someday, but If you have to ask a question, you should at least go to them with the research you did and the way that you're already forming your opinion and which way you're leaning and then ask if it's right. You shouldn't show up with nothing. I 100% agree with that. That's that's another point I I forgot to say, but show that you tried, not that you just went there and were like, oh, this question came up. What is this? It's like, no, um, show that you tried to formulate a solution for this. And like you said, like kind of give your opinion, just be like, you know, I was thinking of approaching this this way. And so I kind of gave it, gave it a go, but I didn't want to like put too much time into it. If I was going the wrong direction, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm going the right direction here, or this is kind of what I was thinking. So that is, that is so big. Cause it actually shows your managers, your boss, whoever that you thought about it and you're trying yes. and just looking for the quick answer. Yeah. Because the fact, and Joy just articulated that really well. If you legitimately just show that you're trying, me as a boss, I sit there and go, oh, that's why I hired that person. But when you come to me with a problem without a backstory, any research, no opinion, I just go, what's the point of this person's job? (laughs) 
Like, why are they even on our team? What a waste. I just have to do their job anyways. Mm-hmm. That's just so valuable. It's so important. It's so important. I can't even believe how important it is. I'm so happy you brought that one up. <laughs> My personal sauce is uh, being self-aware, as Bobby, Bobby states. When did you become self-aware, and how did you become self-aware? I think I kind of became self-aware when I failed. I think that was freshman kind of year. Yeah, freshman year. I think that was kind of a big one. Like high school, I kind of, you know, said I can make it through this. This is fine. You know, it'll be a lot easier in college. Like freshman year is gonna be fine. And then I failed, and I'm like, all right, you know, maybe I can't, you know, keep scraping by, and just see if it'll work. And even with educating entrepreneurs like when we first started i was sitting there when we all were trying to write blogs and i was like this sucks like i can't put together a 1200 word or whatever it was like i was like forcing myself to add things that didn't matter and i was like this is bad like this isn't working and then when you suggested all right let's find something different i was like yeah like i'm not going to keep pushing through on putting out bad content or whatever, or blogs and being like, this is what our company's like, because that's just a poor representation of it. For other people, you need to realize what you're not good at and find something that you are and keep pushing on that because it's just wasting your time and it's wasting others' times if you keep trying to be something that you're not. And I think I did that a lot through high school and a little bit into college. And once I realized that I was a lot happier and I found myself paying attention more and trying harder in the things that I was actually passionate about because I knew I cared about it and I could actually give more attention to it. And I wish I was more self-aware. I mean, I think you are like, I know I'm really bad at financial stuff. So like, I don't try to touch it really. But like, I do feel like there's a lot of meetings that I'm speaking. I'm like, you should just shut up. Like, you're just talking because you think you need to be the head of this room when you don't. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Idiot. And then do you stop talking or do you just keep going? No, I usually stop talking, but I always wonder, man, if you were just self-aware enough to know when that question popped up, not to say anything or just stop after two sentences, because that's pretty much the depth of your knowledge. Like, that's something, that's something that I struggle with as the leader of a company. Because, and I actually like your guys' take on this, because I sometimes feel like there are situations where we're sitting there as a group and there's just no answer. And I know a little bit on it, but I don't know like a crazy amount where I'm willing to like commit to whatever I say during that. As in like, based on what I say, let's commit to this decision and start tomorrow. But in the moment, I still feel like I need to add something enough that it creates some type of momentum and then I'll go back and second guess or fact check all my stuff to make sure I'm actually leading us in the right direction. And if I don't lead us in the right direction in that moment, like, yes, I'll send something out saying, hey, I was wrong. This is what we have to change. But sometimes I wonder if like the momentum's important in that moment or if I should just shut up and just let that silence hang there and be like, ah, we'll figure it out some other times. And then there's no communication or talk around it. Sometimes I just don't know. I feel like as a leader... Sometimes I wonder, you just like, I feel like as an early leader, I just need to jump into everything and try to learn on the fly. And I don't know if that's just because that's what I'm supposed to do or if it's because I'm not self-aware and should just be like, 
nah, I don't need to learn that. Joey, what do you think? I feel like you usually have opinions on something like that. I do have opinions. On, so, on like, topics that I bring up like that. You know, I guess it depends. I mean, do you have uh, a quote-unquote I'm a specialist in the room that would be more knowledgeable on those topics? Like, is there someone in the room that's, like, the financial guy or something like that? Or Well, yeah. If there is financials, I'm just shutting up. Gotcha. And if there, is a, if there is a specialist, I'm just, I don't, I'm not even going to try. Like, I'll just say, you guys speak a different language. I'm dumb. You're smart. Go for it. I mean, if you don't know the right answer, then I would almost, yeah, be confident in what you say, but give more of a, a broad answer to them, which will give them the keys to turn it into how they can solve it and, and how their perspective might work on it. Good. Now, I, I just think that not by not giving them something specific, because you don't know, is what it is. So if you give them just the broad idea of what direction you want to head and give them the keys to go wherever they want to go with it, then just empower them and let them do it. I like that. So. I think that's what I primarily try to do. And the fact that you said that, it makes me happy that that's fine. Because sometimes I wonder if like the broad knowledge or the broad explanation or the broad direction, even when I have to pivot it, if I look up more information and realize, you know what, even that broad direction was wrong. Like, it wasn't specific, but it was still wrong. So I want to change it to make it specific. Like, sometimes I wonder if that's just, like, deflating or if it's just, like, okay, that's expected. You know? Yeah. I mean, as a leader, yeah, it's – I feel like it has to be expected at that point. I mean, especially if you're going to be that – if you're going to be confident in what you say, you're going to have to – you're going to be wrong every once in a while. So yeah. – I don't know if you have a good team that respects you and, and is fine with that. Yeah, cool. I don't think it's an issue. But so, yeah. Joster, you want to ask your cue? Yeah, for sure. I was kind of curious about what you guys think would be like one or maybe a couple of really key activities you would recommend entrepreneurs or maybe even people coming right out of college or just younger generation kind of some activities that they should invest their time in. I know a lot of us have little time to invest in certain activities these days, and what would be the most valuable in your guys' opinion? I'd like to hear Brandon's first. Oh, weird. <laughs> I was going to go. I was getting ready to talk before you interrupted. Oh, good. I would say, and this is something I need to do more, is listen to uh, more educational or entrepreneurial podcasts. I would say to do stuff like that, because even if you don't have time, you, I mean, that's something you can do while you're driving in the car, while you're walking somewhere, just taking a little bit of time to gain a little knowledge or take anything in that you can while you are doing activities where you are just mindless activities, walking, sitting at work, doing those mindless tasks that you might have to do every now and then and just listening to a podcast. Um, and I think to go along with that, if you do have time, go listen to people do or people's speeches or if they're in town, go check those out because something that I would also have to do, these are things that I'm suggesting myself as well. But I think just sitting there and giving your whole attention to someone for 30 minutes to an hour, you can gain so much in just that amount of time. And I think that would be really beneficial. I have a couple 
I would say if you're an entrepreneur, the first thing you should do is find something to go door to door and sell. I know we brought this up in the past, but I honestly think just pushing yourself to go door to door and sell something is probably the most valuable thing you could ever do as an entrepreneur because it forces you to put yourself out there. It forces you to make a sales pitch. It forces you to change and pivot on the fly in between houses. It allows you to learn how to get rejected, not only rejected through text or over email or over the phone to your actual face. And once you get rejected enough times, that breaks that emotional barrier or emotional roadblock that we all have where we don't like being rejected. So it freaks us out and it, all hold, it holds each of us back. So I would say that is definitely one thing you should do. Actually, just do it this week. Go to like 10 houses and try to sell something. What would you suggest to sell? I don't care what it is. Just find something in your house you want to sell. I don't I don't care. Like you just need to learn how to fail and you need to learn how to make a sales pitch. And you need to learn how to pivot to your audience. The second thing I would say is read. Uh no matter how busy we are, you should take time to read. And really it would go into Brandon's one too. It's okay if it's an audiobook or it's a podcast. Just learn something. If you put like an hour or something into, I, I thought I just saw this statistic. If you spend one hour a day either reading or listening to some kind of educational audiobook or something, and you do it every day for four years, you would earn a degree in that. Essentially, that's how much you learn by just putting in an hour a day. I would say read. There are a thousand roadmaps out there for whatever you want to do legitimately decide what you want to do in your life, what passion you want to pursue and pick someone that you idolize. And a lot of them probably have autobiographies or something for you to read. And that is a roadmap of how you can get started. So read, it will push you way ahead, way beyond anything you thought was possible because you're pretty much building off of other people. The last thing I would say is brainstorm constantly. As an entrepreneur, you should always be innovating. You should always be figuring out how to make changes within your company, or you should be figuring out what product or service you could offer in the future if everything fails. I think it's so important for you to always innovate in your life. You should be writing new ideas constantly. It forces you to grow quicker. It forces you to honestly just live your life differently because you're always coming up with something new and when you come up with something new, it allows you to pursue something constantly. And when you're constantly pursuing something or trying something quickly, you're failing quickly, you're using MVPs to test stuff quickly, and you're just in good shape. So those are my three things for any entrepreneur. One of mine was similar to yours. It was just continuous learning, whether that be reading, which is so, so important, or watching, I mean, even like watching some type of important like documentary or something like that. Um, I think that's incredibly, uh, definitely something to invest your time in. Um, the other thing that I would say is put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I think as an entrepreneur, you're going to be put in a lot, a lot of uncomfortable situations. And the more you do it, the more you're going to get comfortable with it. And those situations in which, in, in which you thought were uncomfortable at first are going to become the norm. And you're going to be able to thrive through those situations while other people kind of 
uh, still feel very uncomfortable and unsure about it. And that, that kind of goes along with Bobby, how you were talking about failures. It's just become so normal. Not that you fail a lot, but no, I, mean, I do. <laughs> I really do. Climb though. You're very good at calmly approaching it because you've been through it a lot and yeah. learning how to pivot and just dealing with the situation. Like, all right, this happened. What's next? So I think that would be uh, another important activity to invest in. I think Joey just brought up a really important point when it comes to failure. You have to practice it just like everything else. It's not a natural thing. I think Joey just made it really clear that I frankly, I took failure so hard when I was in high school and the early days in college. Like I was devastated. I was so disappointed in myself. thought I was a piece of crap and it destroyed me and I didn't want to do, I didn't want to take another chance because I hated that feeling of being rejected. I just practiced it. And I think anyone that's comfortable with failure just they practice over and over and it becomes a natural part of their life. And it, it doesn't even feel like failure at a certain point. It just becomes, that's just what it is. It's just, you're just working. You're just living. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. Just another part of the journey. Yeah, exactly. I think we brought up some good points in this episode. I liked it. I think that was a great episode. A quick update on EE. Brady is working away on actually putting all of the courses into written form. He is finishing up a big proposal at his current location of employment. And he's supposed to wrap that up in the next month. So once he wraps that up, honestly, we're going to be pumping out modules and courses very, very quickly. So I'm pretty excited for that because we are putting together videos right now. We're actually putting together some really solid templates and I don't know, just a lot of stuff that you guys are going to be able to use. So I'm pretty excited about that. On top of that, the old B. Wills, you know, he's he's still working on the social media. He didn't do great this week. Only had two posts. Was it only two posts? I mean, today's Wednesday, so. Well, it's since we had our last podcast. Um, he's going to work on pumping out a little more content for all of you. So that's going to be really exciting, really, really big. We're all pumped for that. For all of you at home, our little competition that Brandon and I have going on, I'm going to check right now, see how we're doing. So the old B. Wills, you know, and we're doing this competition on Instagram. B. Wills is now at a whopping 362 followers. 362, everyone. And I have not checked for a while, but I didn't do great either this week. I'm only at 1,547. Kind of sad. Tough, tough day for you. But as Brandon always says, he's he's not a quitter. He's going to keep going. So you'll probably find out that he's in the 1800 range next week. So get excited for that. Make sure you reach out. You look at all of our social media feeds. And I guess Brandon is actually supposed to be the one that wraps it up. So I'm sorry, Brandon, you can do the, the big old closing. I didn't mean to step all over your, your big shebanger. Don't be shy, people. Reach out to us. If you've got questions, let us know. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, any of those things. Shoot us a DM. Say hi. Maybe we can get you as a guest on the show, talk about some stuff, depending on what it is. We're not just going to talk about anything here. We're trying to educate people. So reach out to us on all those. Thank you all for listening. 
have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week with some more knowledge.